What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. One thing that's really popular in Christian culture is to kind of ask people what their story is or what their testimony is for, uh, you know, if you want to use like kind of churchy terms, uh, what's your testimony, what's your story? We hear that kind of terminology and phrase all the time in the church. And uh, I, every time I've told my story to somebody like in the church um, or when somebody asked me, what's your testimony? There's even been formal times when somebody said, hey, will you share your testimony at church? Uh, and I have. Uh, every time I do that, it's different. And sometimes I struggle with that because I'm like, man, why is my story always changing? Why is it always so different? And I'm not like making stuff up in my story, but it's just, it's constantly evolving. I often refer to my own life um, like the Israelites. If you if you are familiar with the story in the scripture of Moses leading God's people through the desert for 40 years, um, um, through that journey, the Israelites, it depends on what page you turn or what chapter you turn to in the Bible. Sometimes in their journey, uh, they're like on fire for God. They're trusting God. They're believing in God. They're worshiping God. They're delighting in God. They have faith in God. They're remembering God's faithfulness to them. And then literally like the next page or the next chapter, these same people have made a golden calf and they're worshiping a God that doesn't exist. And they're mad at God and they're rebelling against God and they're mad at their leaders and they're mad at uh, everyone. And, And they're just like all over the place in their spiritual journey. And I often can relate to that uh, because my story, whether if you asked me to s- share my testimony or my story today, it probably would sound different than it did even six months ago or a year ago or five years ago, and it will sound different five years from now. And part of that, I think, is okay because God is, he didn't just save us. There's not just like this prayer that you pray. Um, and all of a sudden you're saved and God's done with you and he moves on. Uh, fortunately, God continues to save you. Um, so you've been you've been justified of your sin. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You no longer carry the weight of sin, and yet God is not done with you. He continues to work out His good in you. His kingdom wants to come in every little nook and cranny of your life, and He just doesn't give up. He keeps pursuing you day in and day out. And uh, I, this isn't like a Bible trivia podcast, but in the New Testament, Jesus has some followers. Uh, they're called his disciples, and one of the disciples' name is Peter. And I, again, I relate to Peter because he's very emotional. He thinks first, or I'm sorry, he acts first and then thinks second. He's he responds and reacts very emotionally, and I'm, I'm I relate to that. I'm kind of uh, I just go, and sometimes I don't make the best decisions because I didn't think it through, and uh, and so all that to say. Depending on where you find me and when you find me, uh, my relationship with God feels up and down. And I can relate to kind of that roller coaster testimony or that roller roller coaster story of feeling close to God and feeling far from God and feeling close to God. And there's some people I've met, um, some of my like heroes who don't aren't like that. They you know they have consistency, and whether you find them today or five years from now or fifty years from now, they just always seem to be in that same spot. 
uh, and I want to get there. I think there's a lot of spiritual maturity in that, but I also think there's just some personality stuff, and, and I may never have that kind of personality. I don't know. Ask me in 50 years. I may have matured, and uh, maybe my roller coaster, the dips, the valleys, and the mountaintops for uh, the more churchy crowd uh, will be a little less high and a little less low. I don't know. Um, but all that to say, uh, I've sat across from many guys who relate to that and who say um, they're, they're, they don't feel close to God. And what we know to be true in Scripture is that God never leaves, right? Like God, God isn't the one running away and then chasing you and then running away and chasing you and then like his presence is near and then like he bailed. We know that throughout Scripture, uh, if, you, if you listen to this podcast at all, you've heard me talk about it a lot, like God has a reputation of being close to the broken and messy people. I did a whole podcast on this uh, from the very first pages of Scripture all the way to the last pages of Scripture, God doesn't bail when things get hard which is why we don't bail when things get hard. Um, but God has a reputation of like sticking close and, and being near. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's incredibly faithful and long-suffering and uh, and compassionate and f- that continues to forgive. Like he, he is not the one on the roller coaster. We certainly are that one. And so we know God doesn't bail. So why, uh, why are we feeling far and close from God? And what do we do in that situation? And what do we, what do you do? And I've talked to, I've talked to many guys who have asked this question, like, Jared, I, I want to lead my family, but I don't even personally feel close to God myself. And I totally get that dude. Like I've, I've had many, many, um, seasons in my marriage, uh, times in my marriage where I, I, I don't even have my own stuff together, let alone can I try to like lead my wife and my kids towards Jesus. Thinking through being a gospel-centered dad and husband was like the last thing on my mind. Um, and, and so I get that, man. Marriage exposes your junk. If you, if you don't think you're very prideful or you're very selfish or you're very sinful, then get married and have kids and you'll quick, quickly realize how jacked up of a person you are because marriage exposes your sin. It's actually designed to do that so that your spouse, you can spur each other on towards God. And where we often get mistaken in marriage is we see the other person's sin and it affects us. And so we get mad because it's not making us happy or it hurts us or whatever. And uh, whereas what we should be doing in marriage is when we see somebody else's sin and their struggle and their mess, we lean into it and we say, God designed marriage so that he would put me in your life to help you grow past this and grow closer to Jesus. And where where can I help uh work with you through your junk so that we can both be more in love with Jesus than we are. That's really what marriage is about. Um, that's the that's the picture of the gospel, not running away from sin, but running into the mess and not just avoiding the mess, but um, leaning into Jesus to fix the mess. That's kind of a tangent there. I apologize. The point is this. I've sat from across from many guys. Guys, uh, church people love to have coffee, and uh, so I've had coffee with <laughs> a lot of people and many guys who have said, I don't feel like I can lead my family because I don't even honestly feel like I'm close to God right now. I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard people say that, and I relate to it. I get it. So here's some things that mentors and guys have told me when I've been in that season, uh, and here's some things that I've found true over my short life um, that I that I want to share with you. Number one is this. The, the first piece of advice I, I would give you is not 
just go read your Bible and pray more, um, which is often the advice that we hear in the church. Like, well, have you been reading your Bible and praying? Now, listen, um, that's important, and you should be reading your Bible and praying. Um, the way that I equate that, uh, though, I, I just never... I know that guys are going to argue with me on this. I know that people will argue and disagree with me on this, and that's all right. Um, I'm just telling you, man, what's been true for me uh, and what and be even more than what's been true for me, what I see true in, throughout Scripture is God is just, I, I just don't read Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I don't read Scripture and see God giving people a checklist to give them to like manage their behavior really well so that they can be close to God. Um, it's always heart issue. Like God is always chasing after your heart. Now, for some guys, if you give them a checklist and they do the checklist, then their heart will follow. I've had mentors tell me that. Like sometimes the behavior is first and the heart follows. And I get that. Like you you need me to tell you to do 10 things. And if I give you 10 things to do and you do them, even though your heart's not in it, if you're just faithful to do them, then eventually uh, your, your heart will catch up to your behavior. Um, that's not my personality. I can't do things for the sake of busy work or because it's the right thing to do. Um, I like my heart has to be behind it. And so I read scripture more when I'm just feeling in love with Jesus. Uh, and it's not because I feel like I really just want to bust through the Bible. It's because I really want to get to know the savior that is chased after me. And I want to, I want to know him deeply and I want to know what he's like. And I want to learn new things about his character that I don't yet know. And so for some of you, yes, maybe reading the Bible and praying more is like, that's what you need to do. Maybe. Um, but that's not going to be the advice that I necessarily give to you. It'll be a little bit of a variation of that. The first thing I would tell you and any other dude that's sitting across the table from me that says, I don't feel like I can lead because I'm not even close to my, I'm not close to God myself. The, the, the first thing I would ask is, is there unconfessed sin in your life? Um, and I know that's kind of like a weird place to start. It's maybe even a hard or harsh place to start, like getting right to the jugular. Um, but most of the time I found this to be true in my life and in most guys that I talk to. When guys tell me that they don't feel close to God, the first thing that I've started to ask is, is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there something, are there secrets, are there things that you're hiding that you just need to bring out to light and be exposed? Um and oftentimes, that's like the hurdle that's stopping guys from feeling close to God. And here's the root of it. It's not, again, it's not a behavior stuff like, hey, let's shame each other or let's kind of bury ourselves in shame. The the heart of it is this. Uh, it's the same thing that happened in the Old Testament at the very first pages of Scripture. Adam and Eve sinned, and then they ran and hid from God. And that's usually where most people uh, are. They, You and I sin all the time. You and I have uh, our junk and unrighteousness, and uh, we do all kinds of terrible things, both in our minds and in action and in word. And usually, we res- we kind of like resort to shame and hiding. And so, the first thing that like I would ask myself and ask any guys like, "Am I hiding right now? Do I am I like Adam and Eve in the garden, covering myself up because I don't want God to see me in my shame and in my wickedness and in my brokenness?" Uh, and it's usually that's 
often the root of it. Like, I don't want to be near God right now because he will expose or he will see how broken and messed up I am. Uh, And God, again, has a reputation of being near broken people and he never pours out shame. He pours out grace. And so I think uh, if you've got, if you feel far from God, one of the questions that you need to ask yourself is, is there unconfessed sin? Am I hiding from God in my shame because I don't think I'm living right? And dude, let me just remind you, like there's a ton of grace. God has a reputation of giving lots and lots of ridiculous amounts of grace to you. He would tell you to come out from hiding. The scriptures teach us um, that when we confess our sins to God, that he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Uh, I apologize that I don't have the verse reference on that. I'm terrible at remembering like what part of scripture. So Google that. I promise you it's in the Bible. <laughs> I should have uh, looked up these passages. I memorized the verse and then I forget like where it came from and that's not very good, but I would not get an A in Bible school. Bible, uh, Sunday school. That's what they call it. I wouldn't get an A in Sunday school, <clears throat> but God, the scriptures teach us that, that God is faithful and just to cleanse us of our unrighteousness when we confess our sins to him. And so confessing your sins just leads to forgiveness. It doesn't lead to shame. It doesn't lead to uh, more guilt. It leads to forgiveness. And so one thing I would say is to confess your sin. The other thing, and I know James says this in the book of James, I think it's chapter three. James says that um, if you want to experience healing, then confess your sins to each other, um, to another brother. And so I always tell guys, uh, God is, forgiveness is faithful. Like he is faithful to forgive you. When you, you can come out from hiding. If there's things that you need to confess to God, like be, he already knows what you've done, but just confess it. Um, bring an attitude of humility. Like, God, I know that I've turned to other things for satisfaction outside of you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sought after things that I thought would satisfy my soul more than you. And I'm sorry, God, will you forgive me? Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, that my identity isn't wrapped up in my sin and in my wickedness and in my rebellion, but my identity is wrapped up in your righteousness because of what you did on the cross. That's good news, and we don't have to run and hide anymore. We can come out in freedom because God isn't, he hasn't poured out his wrath on us. He doesn't have any desire to pour out his wrath on you because he's already poured out his wrath on Jesus, and so you can walk in freedom. Dude, that's really, really good news. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Confess it to Jesus. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of unrighteousness. Some of you have confessed it to God and you you know that you're forgiven or that or you need to be reminded today that you're forgiven and you are, but you still don't feel healed from that. And I would say confess it to somebody else. Um, confess it to somebody that will just hear you and listen to you and remind you of the gospel truth. Um, and that's where you can experience healing, as James says. So confession to God leads to forgiveness. Confession to each other leads to healing. Um, so if you feel far from God today, give yourself a gut check, man. Are you running in your shame from God? Uh, Are you like Adam and Eve in the garden hiding because of what you've done wrong? And if so, just know that God didn't run. He didn't uh, zap the earth and end the earth because of what Adam and Eve did. He immediately made a promise that he would make all things right again. And God uh, did through Jesus Christ, and he's continuing to through Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit in the kingdom. I know I'm using a lot of churchy words here and a lot of churchy themes. Essentially this, if you're lost, if you're like, dude, this is too churchy or like spiritual for me, break it down into normal 
normal language. Here's the reality. God is not holding you accountable for your sin anymore because he held Jesus accountable for your sin. Jesus paid the price of what you deserved. And so you can come out from hiding. You can come out from your shame. God has nothing but grace for you. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are hidden in him and his identity. And God no longer looks at you as a sinful, broken person that he wants to pour his wrath on. He's already put his, the punishment, his wrath on Jesus so that he can look at you and say, I'm delighted in you. You're my son and I'm proud of you. That's crazy. That's good news. Uh, so that would be the first thing I would say to you is if you have unconfessed sin in your life, if you feel far from God, ask yourself, is there something that I'm continuing to run and hide from God? And the second thing is this. Um, I'm just, a, you know, I kind of alluded to this a little a few minutes ago, but uh, I, the times that I've felt furthest from God, um, I did not come out of those seasons by pulling myself up by my bootstraps and just managing my behavior better. The way that I came out of those seasons was being remembering gospel truth, remembering my identity and who God has called me to be and what who he says I am. And that comes in my experience through prayer and not like not necessarily like hey you need to pray more, but just remembering that God is the one who does all things. Paul says like why do you even boast that you have faith? God gives you faith. In Romans, God to, or Paul talks about this like, dude, why are you boasting? Why, why are you acting like, hey, because you read your Bible or because you're super Christian that God somehow loves you more? God gave you the faith that you have. You can't boast in anything. And so my thoughts come from the kind of the, the um, I guess my thesis, for lack of better words, on this thought comes from that passage of scripture or that thinking that God is the one that does all things. Uh, and so I believe that God initially drew my heart to himself, that God is the one who saved me. It's not because I was super awesome and I thought, oh, I should turn to God. God saved me. He pulled me in. He redeemed me. He brought me back to life by his own grace and his own good doing, not because of anything I did. So God saved me by his grace. And I think God sustains me by his grace. And that's what uh, I believe is true for you, that God saved you because of his grace, not by your good works. And God also sustains you by his grace, meaning that, dude, you just need to be as desperate for Jesus to sustain you as you needed him to save you. And so part of that, when I'm in a slump, when I'm feeling far from God, remembering that God hasn't left me, I pray, God, would you remind me of who you are? Would you draw me back to yourself? Would you be gracious enough to, by your spirit, draw my spirit back to you? Bring me back to you, Lord. Um, I am desperate for you. And and it's more than just like, hey, can I need to read my Bible more and pray more and act more Christian and listen to more K-Love. It's less of that and more like, God, would you be gracious enough to draw me close to you again? And remember, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the reminder. He said that the Spirit would remind you of all the things that are true about God. And uh, and that's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit to remind you of things. Uh, and so your prayer should be, God, Spirit, would you remind me of who you are, of who I am, who you say I am? Uh, and so if you feel far from God, like when when is the last time you've just prayed, God, I want to be near you? In my slumps, I'm not praying these big, long theological prayers. I'm praying, God, bring me back to you, please. 
That's it. Multiple times a day, a lot of days, God, would you bring me back to you? And having the faith that God wants to be near me and that his spirit not only saved me, but his spirit is the one that continues to save me and draw me close. Your good works won't get you closer to God. His grace drawing you near to him will do it. He's the one that does it all. So continuing to pray, God, will you draw me near to yourself? The other thing I would tell you, and and the last thing I would tell you is, and this is kind of a uh, kicking you in the butt a little bit because I've had a lot of dudes kick me in the butt when I've been in this spot. But uh, if you're if you're a married man and you're listening to this and you say, I just feel far from God, I don't feel like I can lead my family well, uh, I don't feel close to God right now. There's no way I can lead my family. Uh, I I would press in a little bit. I would. Um, maybe push back a little bit, and I would I would probably assume or make the assumption if you're like me, you have forgot the reason that you got married. You've lost sight of your purpose, and your the purpose of your marriage, the reason you signed up, the thing you signed up for was to die to yourself. You signed up to die, not to live. And usually when guys feel far from God, they've developed some kind of bitterness towards their wife because their wife isn't loving them, serving them, acting in the way that they want her to. They're not having sex enough. They're, she's not happy enough. She's always complaining about something, uh, whatever it is. Um, and usually you've grown some kind of bitterness towards your wife because she's no longer making you happy the way you want her to make you happy. And you've lost sight of the fact that you signed up to die. If you're a Christian man, that is your objective. I'm choosing to die to myself every single day. That's the goal of marriage. You signed up to die and you've lost sight of your purpose. Um, And Jesus said, those who seek to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will live, you know, and again, I'm like butchering these uh, references. I should put in the show notes. Uh, I never even do show notes because I don't really know what those are, but I hear other podcasters talk about them. (laughs) Um. Uh, you're going to see quickly, like I have no idea what I'm actually doing. Anyway, these verses are in the, in the Bible and you shouldn't take my word for it. You should go look them up. Google all these things I'm saying. <laughs> Do some homework on it if, you, if you're if you doubting. Uh, even if you're not doubting, you should go open up your Bible and read these verses. But Jesus said that the goal of life is not to like try to save it, but to lose it. Like You signed up to lose your life, man. And uh, you probably are in a place, if you feel far from God, you've probably lost sight of your objective, and your objective is to die. And uh, you're probably thinking uh, not how can you die, but how can you live? And your wife and kids and your boss and your work or your finances, they're all getting in the way of you living, and you're getting pissed. And my reminder to you would be you signed up to die. And so how can you die to yourself your selfishness, your own pride and ambitions, all your own desires, how do you give up all of that to say, I'm going to die to myself today so that I can lift up my wife and I can lift up my kids, I can lift up my coworkers and my boss. Um, my goal, even though I want to like have everything and my own selfishness is to lay my life down so that they can be lifted up because famous Jared line here, uh, but that's what Jesus did for you, dude. 
uh, Jesus gave up the royalty of heaven to come down and say, even though I'm king of the freaking universe, I'm going to wash your feet and serve you, give up my life for you so that you could be seen as righteous. He gave the greatest example of being a servant. And then he said, that's what you do. You die to yourself. And that's actually where you find life. And I can tell you, man, that that's been true for me. And I was just watching, I was watching a movie last night. Um, I was sitting on the couch. My family was asleep. And I just turned 30. And I don't know if it's just like turning 30 or if I'm just, God's drawing my heart or he's doing a new work or whatever. But I just feel like all the way up until I was 30 years old, I lived an incredibly selfish life. Uh, and it wasn't until, not, I'm not talking about like in the last month, but I feel like in the last two years, really, um, God has started to shape my heart out of selfishness and that he's like moving me past a place where the world is just not about me. And uh, I am getting to the spot. I feel like I'm just starting to scratch the surface of what it means to live a life where I give up my own desires uh, for the sake of my wife and kids. And I don't even think I'm living that out very well, but I just feel like I'm understanding that intellectually better than I've ever understood it. And now the now the conviction comes to like, am I willing to live that out? Um, where it just doesn't, like, it, I just don't matter. Um, it doesn't, I, it, my desires, my pride, my the things that I want, um, I will find the best joy and the best life when I give up my life for the sake of my wife and my kids. Um, and so that would be my encouragement to you, dude. If you feel far from God, um, do you have unconfessed sin in your life that you need to confess to God and maybe to others? Um, when's the last time you just asked God to draw you back? Don't have these big, lengthy theological prayers, but just say, God, would you bring me back to you? Would you bring my heart back to yours? And lastly, don't forget your purpose. Don't lose sight of your purpose, and that is to die that you will actually find the greatest joy in life when you do what Jesus did for us. You lay down your life for the sake of others, your wife and your kids especially. I hope that's helpful, man. I love you guys. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you listen. I'm always blown away that you would take time to listen. But I love you. I hope that was helpful. I'll talk to you soon. Later. 